Hello and welcome to the Stalport Rugby Club podcast. Uh, this week we will be chatting various things um, with former player, then coach, and now player again, Mr Will Giddens. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me and uh, welcome to today's host, uh, Mr Dave Howard. So mate, firstly, um, how are you? How have you been? And uh, what have you been up to? Well, I think we're just all living in the, the saga of COVID at the moment, aren't we? So uh, I think I've probably left the military at the exact worst time in the last 13 years. Uh, <laughs> struggling by, well, we're not really struggling. I'm in a, still in a fortunate situation, but it's just finding the gainful employment you want to be doing for the next 20, 30 years is probably not as easy as it was, say, six months to maybe a year ago. No, I totally agree. It's um, Go on. There's obviously people in a dying tight lot, lot worse situation than the both of us. Well, yeah, I was about to say, I, I, I've been speaking to people about it recently and it's just, you know, if anyone who's um, not got a job, you kind of feel for them because there's a good million people who are in the exact same boat, yeah. exact same worries and it's, it's uncertain and uh, interesting times. Yeah. I've, I've got... I've got a trade though, so there's always got to be mice will work out there. It's just not the case of what it was six months ago where, yeah, can you start? When can you start? Now it's, well, you, you there's jobs available, but we've got to wait for COVID to calm down. So I've no problem finding a job. It's just when that job's going to start. There we are. There we are. Um, so obviously, as I alluded to in the, uh, the intro, mate, um, obviously you was at the club. Yeah, and obviously then you went off coaching, which if I'm right in saying so, it was to Droitwich, I believe. It was, yeah. Um, firstly, how was that? Did you learn anything? Was it a, an experience you you enjoyed, um, or was it something you look back on and gone, do you know what? I kind of regret doing that. Uh, again, that's a really difficult question, but it's a very good, valid question. Uh, I love the coaching role, and what I did, I felt I did good, and then some bits I wasn't so good at but in reality have a first coaching role jumping to a level six club is probably not the right thing to do if that makes sense and especially such an established couple like that I've met a lot of people I like there a lot of people there I still talk to but in hindsight for a first coaching role whether it was with the development or helping the first team coach it probably wasn't the right thing to do if that makes sense I probably should have um... lowered, lowered my aspects well, I mean, from a a, a a personal viewpoint, I mean, my first head coach role was, was Stalport. Yeah. Um, and then I went up to mids one yeah. as an assistant coach. Yeah. And I've always said, like, I, I begrudge nobody for trying to go higher, but do your kind of homework first. So, yeah. mate, I mean, although it was a, a big jump for your first role, the, the kind of valuable experience you'd have got learning and the, mm. the kind Don't of get me wrong. education as it were what what a, what I, learned, experience. I learned a lot of stuff and I'll, I think you've got I'm always of the idea you've got to try everything once whether you like it or not but mm. I went there and I really enjoyed it I begrudge nobody at that club I just think some things happened that probably didn't favour me if that makes sense so yeah, yeah, yeah the guy I joined up with who was basically the head coach role and then I was like basically my official title was development coach right I, I helped him out and then 
things conspired where it didn't go right for him, which then left me in a difficult situation because I joined up with him. It's like almost like if it's obviously in a completely different world, but if a Premier League manager goes to a club and then the head coach gets sacked, but all his staff remain on, it's always going to be difficult. And that, oh, yeah. I mean, but that's a complete tangent, but that's the only way I could put it. No, I, I get what you mean. I get what you and mean. I don't, I don't begrudge it. I like, I've met a lot of people there I liked, but some things don't, don't work out. You know what I mean? And yeah. No. One of those. Um, so what's brought you, um, back to the club? What, you know, what was your, obviously you'd had your, first steps into coaching as it were yeah so obviously as you said you know there was the experience there what happened happened what was it that you know you didn't go do you know what i go for another role and another opportunity what made you think you know what i go back playing for a while well i had this probably stupid bloody idea at the age of 31 that that's me done playing if you know what i mean yeah and then i thought to myself i i personally felt like i left with probably a bit of a excuse my language, a bit of a dickhead moniker when I left the club. And right. people were probably right to think that about me because I said some stupid things and things that I regret saying and just I was in a bad place at the time and that was my way of making myself feel better in a stupid way. And I just had to swallow my pride and come back because Southport was the first club since I moved up here and I, I do love it. And I said some things in the past which weren't true and I think you've just got to swallow your pride, bite the bullet and come back and it's right on my doorstep and it's just good fun oh brilliant are you um obviously out of the season what are you what are you looking for are you kind of just play enjoyment kind play of enjoyment or... play enjoyment i'd still like to think i've potentially got something to prove by getting into the ones if that makes sense but yeah, yeah. i do appreciate there's probably maybe one or two people ahead of me in the pecking order but it's a long old season and then i still know what i'm capable of and what I can and can't do. I still think I have something to offer, but Stalport is a fun club. When I was, in, I used to live in Bristol, as you can probably tell for all my life and played rugby in Bristol and I played rugby for the Navy and it was a lot of getting shouted out at halftime, being critiqued and probably made to feel bad about your performances at some times. But, but when I first came to Stalport, win, lose or draw, play badly or play goodly, everybody just appreciates you rocking up and having a game and I like that about the club. I'm not saying that it's not a club that has ambitions and can go places, but it's just fun to play with it. Almost like a no-pressure club, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah hey, mate, at the end of the day, I think people respect a kind of enjoyable environment and, and kind of if you have a, a, a open and friendly environment, of like, do you know what, mate? Stick on a jersey, do a job and... Yeah. Good job. There's, the there's, job. Far too, there's, there's far too many clubs around this area. Just my personal opinion, I'm not saying it's true, but there's far too many clubs, not not including Stalport, but in the Midlands, and say this is probably the West Midlands, and that yeah, in the West Midlands that probably take themselves far too seriously. You, the players are play the pay, the players are paying to play at the end of the day. They're not getting paid to play. If that makes sense. So yeah. If you, t- if you take the enjoyment side out of it, and you make it far too seriously. The players are just going to dwindle, and the, if you're not enjoying it, you're not going to win. Yeah, very true. Very true. Oh, it's, it, it, interestingly, you touched on the the pay to play as well. That's um, something that's always kind of niggled me, really, because particularly at uh, anything below championship level, I, I've never agreed with it. On yeah. the basis of the, I suppose, the cynic in me questions the motives of: Are you here for the club? Are you here, you know, for what the jersey represents and what the badge means to you? Yeah. 
you there for that nice little pay packet at the end of the month. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, from my my experience and my kind of knowledge of, of a few players I know who have been paid, I'd say it's a very small percentage of them that are actually there for the, for yeah, the club, betterment of the club. When you go and watch Bridge North Ones play at home and there's six cars in a car park that are all exactly the same with the Bridge North badge and the names on the side, they're not playing for the badge. Come on, no one can tell me they are. <laughs> Whereas I think if you're playing your monthly, you know, you're playing your yearly subscriptions and you're playing your match fees, that means you actually want to pay, want to play for that club. Mm. So it's just a, I think rugby's in a real difficult situation as a whole, right from rugby tops right up to like the top internationals. I think it's probably, in my opinion, obviously being only 32, but I think rugby is probably in the worst place it's been in the last 20 years. But that's, just, yeah. that's a whole different subject, I think. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Yeah, there's there's a few bits that are getting better and there's, there's a lot that's going the opposite way, unfortunately. Mm. Um, so going into next season... Um, was is there is it you, you know obviously we've talked about your mindset of look potentially still something to offer you enjoying it you want to get the enjoyment and everything else is this looking at being kind of a a one season and out situation for you is it you know a I'm gonna have this season assess how things are see what coaching opportunities come up or is this a, do you know what I'm just gonna kind of get my head down work at it and what happens happens I want to play first first and foremost and I just want to enjoy it because I went through probably a period of three, four years where I didn't really enjoy playing rugby but I just did it because it was something to do if that makes sense. And yeah, yeah. I think after the first probably three months after my last coaching job I said to myself I'd never take another role up if that makes sense because I found the situation quite affected me quite badly. Okay. Now I think if Carl or any of the coaching staff just want a hand I'll give them a hand, or if they're not there and then they need someone to do it, I'll happily do it. I'm not going to be actively looking, because you know, now you've got to apply for jobs, you've got to send up your rugby CV, and my CV's nowhere near big enough to apply for other teams, but I just want to play rugby, and if the opportunity comes up to give a hand, then I'll give a hand, but I'm not going to be actively seeking to take a, a coaching job. I just It's just a good certificate to have, and then it's, well, it's good for the club in general, because they've always got to have someone there with a with a level two coaching certificate, haven't they? Whether, oh, yeah, definitely. So that's what I can offer, and then I just want to play and enjoy it. I want to get back in back in the fold of things, get back in the social side and then just just take every week as it comes. Not be, say, I can't go out next in two weeks' time because I've got to play rugby on a Saturday, if that makes sense. I just want to play when I can, enjoy it. And then if they need me to offer something along the way of terms of coaching or filling in, I'm, I'm more than happy to do that. I'm not going to take myself too seriously and, and not take rugby too seriously, if that makes sense. No, it does. It does. Um, and I have to say, I, I've been there myself, to be quite honest with you. I, I had a, uh, a few kind of limbo years, I suppose it were. And I was very much a case of, I'd, I'd stopped coaching um, kind of mid-season sort of thing because my head wasn't right and I had kind of other things going on. And it was a case of, right, what do I do next year? Where am I at? You know, what am I doing? And just kind of threw myself into the gym to keep fit as you normally do. And then I kind of got into a, a decent enough shape. I thought, you know what? I'll go to a session, see how it feels. And then from that session, I was kind of like, right, next season, I'm back. And gym. The gym is a bad word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a naughty word. It's a dirty yeah, word. It's a very but, bad um, word. But no, you know, and again, I was there 
a lot like yourself in the sense of, do you know what? I'm not going to take anything too seriously. I'm not even going to think about my coaching. I'm here to just play, enjoy myself, you know, enjoy the environment and kind of roll with the punches, as it were. Yeah. And do you know what? Best thing I ever did, mate, to be honest with you. I think really my, was. I fully agree. I think my favourite part of coaching is, is fitness and obviously I'm a fatty. You spend 13 years in the military. You're literally every new physical physical trainer is a wet dream because they just ply every new technique onto you, try and make you lose weight and try and get you fitter to get around the fitness test. And that's what I really love about coaching is, well, rugby coaching is doing the fitness side of it. Yeah. I know some people say you've got to look the part to do the job, but if you know fitness drills, you know fitness drills, if that makes sense. Oh, mate. I know some exceptionally good coaches. You look at them and you think, yeah, you've had a few Jaffa cakes in your life. Yeah, well, you know, you've got fat enough, haven't you? <laughs> carb loading, mate. That's what it's called, carb loading. Carb loading, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one thing I wanted to touch on, if you, if you didn't mind too much, obviously mm. we've spoke previously uh, and briefly about, obviously, some mental health um, stuff you've gone through. Yeah. And obviously, as you know, listening to the pods, we've, we've had a, a mental health pod early doors. Um. Does the rugby help? Is it a kind of a release? Is it a helpful thing to kind of not release the demons, but if you know what I mean, kind of clear the minds and kind of plow forward? I think... Is there anything there for you, effectively? I think like rugby and mental health, it affects everybody differently, if that makes sense. The, in my, like, these pro players always come out after they finish their careers and I was depressed for the whole of my career. So I don't know how they did it. I think it's that, that high-pressure job going on what's going on in the back of their mind and in their personal life, how they've committed to make 25 tackles on massive blokes every week, it just baffles me. And I think we will probably get onto it later, but I think mental health, the government's trying to throw loads of money at it to try and get everybody aware, but I still think it is almost like a dirty word, if that makes sense, like a, mm-hmm. like a d- dirty thing, because... This might sound bizarre, but if someone comes out and they've got a real something with real bad health issue, and it's probably going to not affect their lives for the rest of their lives, everybody will be sympathetic for them. But it just is my personal experience. I'm not saying it's necessarily true, but if, especially as a man, if a man comes out and says I've got mental health problem, people will automatically go, "Oh, have you?" If that makes sense. Yeah. And especially being obviously all of my adult life in a hugely like machoistic career like the military as soon as you say I've got mental health problems that's when it starts going from behind your back I, I remember the first time I went to when I was I think the real thing you've got to realise with mental health there's two stages to it I think you've got to realise that you've actually think oh, I've actually got mental health problems and then you've really got to identify what's causing the problem if that makes sense because you go to the therapist you go to the psychologist they'll try and give you all the techniques to try and make it happen, make it better. They'll pump you full of drugs. I'm not saying this is the case for everybody, but this is just my own personal experience. I think that's all rubbish. I think you've got to be honest with yourself. And I can, I can remember the exact time when I, when I thought to myself, God, I am depressed. Mm. I, I, I had a, when I was a kid, I bought probably about eight, nine years ago, I bought myself BMW, treated myself and I've had it for years. It's, it's a bag of shit now, but I still love it. <laughs> I, and my wife and my wife had it and everything, and then my bloody wife crashed it. She did some damage to it, and she was thinking, "Oh my god, he's got good tits." And I was just like, "I don't care, it's fine." And then I know it sounds ridiculous and it sounds really stupid, but that's what I thought to myself. Something's really wrong here. 
and then I've got to get myself sorted. And then I think the next step for people to do, like I said, this isn't going to work for everybody. You've got to identify what's making you depressed. That yeah, makes sense. So some people, it could be in a relationship, it could be the job, it could be the diet, it could be exercise. Me, it was the Navy. I know it sounds, oh, well, people are like, well, you could leave, but when you've committed 13 years of your life, man and boy to it, they've got to try and do everything to make you better. And then, unfortunately, they couldn't make me better, probably through, like I said earlier, the whole machoistic stance of the military. They'll be, mm. be on the news everywhere saying, and in social media saying, we're brilliant, we do this, we do that. Just my humble opinion, rubbish. Don't get me wrong, they've looked after me when they made me, they basically made me uh, medically redundant. Now, don't right. get me wrong, they've looked after me and I can, I'm in a fortunate enough position where I don't have to worry about work for the time being. I, I don't have to worry about a pension when I'm older because they've done that for me. But by basically being discarded onto the scrap pile and left for a year, that's what they did to me effectively. Yeah. For a year and then get, they got to serve out the year and then see you later, mate. Would you say, um, then kind of, I suppose, on uh, well, two-part question, really. Would you say, partly in the military side of things, but in general, obviously from what you've been saying, that you think there's probably still quite a stigma around it then? Kind of still like a, <laughs> I look like the gym. It's a bit of a dirty word, a bit of a dirty saying. You yeah, know. 100%, 100% you, I just think it's, I think the, my honest problem is with it, just from my personal point of view, and people might chastise me for this, and people think, oh, he's a dickhead. But this is coming from my own experience, because I've affected this for years. It's ruined my life, effectively. And now, I'm personally feeling the best I've ever felt in 10 years. You know what I mean? At the moment, oh, I'm the happiest I've ever been. Like, the last two weeks were crap for me, because I'm going through... I've got a couple of jobs that are coming up, and they've both taken quite a long time to get to, because one of them might be working abroad, and then stuff like that. But... Oh, yeah, it's massively. People, so many people, I think personally, lie about it. Not yeah. necessarily lie about it, just exaggerate it. You know what I mean? Like, I've known people who've had six weeks, six months off work fully paid because that's fair enough. That's their line of work because they're not feeling themselves. And that's, that's not depression. People, reality is there's no, it's real. I find it really difficult to try and explain. There's no real, I... it's, if you've got like a severe disease of the lungs, Mm. You've got the stages of it. People tell you what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, this is what's going to happen. But depression affects everybody. And I think the, the real major problem is probably there's no effective or necessary to the correct training for GPs. I remember when I first went to the GP, I said to him I was depressed. Because I didn't go to the Navy doctor, first of all, because I was at home. I had a mental breakdown. Couldn't go back to work for six weeks. So my family maybe go to the GP. The bloody GP just pumped me full of sedatives. You know what right. I mean? That is not the correct way to do it. That's just my opinion. Fair enough, it works for some people, but they're too quick to hand out drugs to make people feel better, but they're not quick enough to send people to counselling because there's no money in it, because no money in the NHS, and that makes sense. No. So I think people, it's really one of the difficult... It's almost like if you're overweight, you've got to go on a diet. If you're you're really badly depressed, you've got to try and do everything yourself to try and fix yourself. And unfortunately, I didn't do that for probably eight, nine months. I relied on the system and other people who try and make me feel better. And it got to the stage where I was like, fuck this. I've got to try and do something myself. So you do your own research and then you, you will eventually get better. But I appreciate some people won't get better. I think it's one of the real crappy diseases or illnesses. Well, everyone, I think it's a disease. I don't think it's an illness. I think some people get it or some people don't get it. And once you've got it, you've got it for life. And like, what did Churchill call it? Churchill called it his black dog, didn't he? Yeah. 
and it's with you forever and you've got to maintain that whereas for a lot of people because maybe they're not of the right mindset or, or the right ability to do the research themselves just rely on what other people are telling them and they just almost become zombies well, I was on some of the drugs I was on I was on a zombie I could sleep 18 hours a day because I was just being sedative and because you didn't know better that's what happens it's really one of these things you've got almost grab it by the scruff of the neck and take charge of it yourself I have to say as well um, touching on what you said there as well at parts I've known quite well I've, I, I know and I've known quite a few people who have suffered in some cases quite quite badly of mental health and they've got proper traumatic times and it's it's horrible to see and it's horrible to experience and you know I've had parts myself and it's not easy but then I've also known people who as you say who kind of throw the mental health card down and oh yeah, yeah i'm not right and you think okay fair enough you know and they you know they're off work for however how long and then you're going through your social media later and they've been playing golf all week and they're you know they're out with their mates and you think kind of like i think partly it doesn't help because people look at that and go hang on a minute you're living the life of royally you're enjoying yourself you know what the hell was wrong with you yeah you're meant to be so you get that kind of I think that's where a lot of the kind of misunderstanding comes because actually they could be some fantastic releases for this person, but people see it as a, you're taking the piss, there's nothing wrong with you. And then that's where the yeah. backlash comes. But then I also think there's times where kind of you overplay it, if you know what I mean, and you know, and you know there's people who, you know, there's nothing wrong with them. Yeah. They've yeah, gone, 100%. oh no, 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 I'm just not feeling right. And you just think, no, look, come on. Help yourself now. I, I know we know you're okay. We mm. know what you're saying is a crock of shit. You know. Yeah. It's one of these. Jay, get the old. I think one of the major things that makes me feel really depressed. And I've cut right back. Don't get me wrong. I still like having a, a skin ball maybe every now and then. Is, is alcohol? Alcohol. I think is probably if you're feeling down. I'm in a position now where I can go out on a Friday or Saturday night have a skin ball and not feel bad. The day out, well, obviously be hungover, but not feel mentally bad. You like, probably about ten months ago, if I went out and had a skin ball, I'd probably feel even lower, like probably lower than the Titanic for the next two weeks. <laughs> that is, it's like oh, I'm fat because I know I'm happy, and I know I'm happy because I'm fat. If you're massively mental, if you've got mentally depressed, just cut out booze, and that will help you massively. Yeah. But then don't cut out completely. Have a few tins, but don't go and get actually shit faced because you know the next day you're going to be really bad, and it is, it is a depressant. And it's just so, it's so difficult for, to try and explain to people. I've had like, it's another thing I find, you really do find out who your mates are as well, through it as well, because I've had mates in the Navy who I thought were really close mates and then I've, I've come out of it. It's almost like coming out, because you've got to make an announcement, I'm depressed. And you have your mates who really care for you, but then you have people that are just like, dickhead, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But that, it's, it's just such a difficult subject and, I don't think no amount of money the government pumps it is going to help it. It's just training, training, training. But unfortunately, this day and age, that's not going to happen. Again, going back to rugby, doing the exercise, being part of a community feeling and almost welcoming. Not, I don't sound ridiculous. It's almost like worthwhile in living because you're a part of a team. Yeah. Massively helps as well. But then I appreciate not everybody is physically or socially able to play rugby, if that makes sense. No, I, to be honest, I mean when I when I went through my um, 
my spell, as it were, I, I was coaching full time. Mm. So obviously I threw myself into my coaching. Um, and I have to say the environment helped me because it was a, a familiar environment. Like most people who are within the sport, you know, banter aside, it's mm. a safe environment. Um, mm. And it kind of feels like home, if you know what I mean. And you know yeah. that when you when you know I was in that bubble, as it were, I was fine because yeah. nothing was going to not get me down. You know, win, lose, or draw at the weekend. Even as a you know, your head coach and a, yeah, a loss should should piss you off and really annoy you. But ultimately, win, lose, or draw with your mates. So even that wasn't knocking you, if you know what I mean. And it was kind yeah. of when I left the bubble was when it kind of affected me most in in a weird roundabout way. Yeah, I think another thing is people don't really understand as well, and it's not through their fault, it's just through like ignorance, which, again, some ignorance is bad, but this is just one of these ignorances that it's just natural. Is Because they're depressed doesn't mean they don't want to go out, doesn't mean they've got a ha- an outgoing, happy personality. It's mm. just an inner thing. Generally, nine times out of ten, I've done it a couple of times with a couple of mates where you just outpour on them, and they're, they're not prepared, they're not able to listen to that, and they're just like, what the fuck? Excuse my language. They, some people are like that, but just because they are depressed doesn't mean they've got to be like that all the time. And I guarantee nine times, nine and a half times out of 10, they're not going to outpour onto you or just affect the night or affect the mood in general. That's another stigma that comes with it, I think, which again is only human instinct almost. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost treated like the leper, as it were. Well, yeah, massively. Especially especially in the, in the military, it's like that guy's depressed. You know what yeah. I mean? And then you have like a when you have to go and do part of the Navy and part of the military way of counselling, you have to go to a specific building on the base and everybody's like, he's either a faker or there's something massively wrong with him. And that yeah. was one of the main problems. And I just had to get out, unfortunately. They made me redundant to become a normal person again and train twice a week with Stalport. Well, every cloud, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> moving us forward, mate, Um and uh, obviously, I know we talked a bit about your coaching, obviously. Mm. One thing I wanted to touch on, obviously, you said about your CV. Um, one thing I would say is, I- I've known coaches with, you look at their CV and you think, wow. Yeah. And they are the worst coaches I've ever had the misfortune of working with. Yeah. And then there's other coaches you come across who you look at their CV and you think, all oh, right, this this is your, your first gig then, is it? And yeah. what they're fantastic, and there was a there was a forwards coach, or well, I say a forwards coach. There was a prop who played under me in Norfolk called um, Lewis Smith, and just considering his coach and just starting his coaching, and I tell you what, I'd put my hat on it if he actually had the opportunity, if he actually applied himself and worked on it, he'll be one of the best forward coaches in Norfolk in the next few years. Yeah, he was just that- fantastic. His ideas, how he approached stuff. His prep, his kind of what he'd look at. You know, he wouldn't. He'd look at like, for example, right. We'll look to down just technique. We're gonna look at just technique, mm. just just your body shape, just how you stand, just how you plant your right foot. Do you know mm. what I mean? It was stuff like yeah. that. And I remember sitting there as a head coach, you know, over ten years' experience, thinking, "Fuck me, you make me look shit." You know, you, I, you make, maybe it was. You know, it kind of made me reevaluate what I was mm. doing, and kind yeah. of made me do better. So what I would say is. If it's something you are serious about, never don't kind of know what about wrong. Yeah, I still think I'm, I consider myself like almost like a, a four out of ten coach. If that makes sense. And yeah, yeah, I'm lucky enough that Carl's 
let me do a bit every other week in the coaching light. I did a fitness session on Thursday and I think I should be able to do one this Tuesday. But I do have like, someone says, when do you do your coaching course? Because I did the three day, the new RFU three day one. Right. And someone said, said, what's your coaching goal? Now, I played a lot of rugby and I played a lot of games against a lot of, I played for a lot of good teams and played against a lot of good teams. But the hardest thing I've ever done is whenever I play a vets team, um, right. you, can, you can be coming up to a scrum thinking there's little old man in front of you and I think I'm going to have a field day and I'm going to destroy him. And he's always absolutely destroyed me. Every Vets team I've ever played for, <laughs> I've been absolutely destroyed. And this is like 20 games. I've never won a Vet game in all my years playing against the well, Vets team. Never won one. Funny um, you should say that. The best prop I've ever coached, and I tell you now, I brought him into my first team, okay, in yeah. London Free, and he was 52 years old. And just to me, he's saying, why are you picking me? And I'd say, because you're the best scrummager in the league. I said, when yeah. somebody else scrums you, we reevaluate how much I play you. Until then, you're starting every week. Exactly. I'll tell you what, that man won me more games from keeping me a solid scrum than anything else. I'm not surprised. And I really want to be able to coach a young lad, maybe a 21, 22-year-old, to play against a Vets team and through a bit of my... Coaching, or maybe just showing him what to do that he actually dominates his opposite number. That is my life goal in rugby. I know it sounds pathetic, but that is it. <laughs> hey, mate, hey, there's nothing wrong with a development goal. There's nothing wrong no. with that at all. Well, I think in the league we, we're we in at the moment, Stalport and anything probably up to level four, I think it, it is literally just fitness. I think mm. fitness, fitness, fitness. I think you could have the smallest pack on the pitch, but you still, if you're, if you're 20% fitter than the opposite team, you're going to win in the last 20 minutes. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, no, I totally agree. I think sometimes the hardest part I found sometimes, and because like, Joitwich was my first official coaching role with the first qualifications, and then he had a good set of team. But before that, I was always playing for the navy or military bases teams, and always ended. I was quite lucky. Always ended up captaining them, and basically the captain's role was your captain, coach, picker, and everything. And it's just, uh, it's just so difficult trying to get like when you've got 30 or 40-year-old players trying to give them new ideas about how it should be played, I think that's one of the really difficult things in coaching, if that makes sense. Yeah. Is to get older players who are very, very good players to play the new way. It's not a new way of playing, but it's almost like a new style of playing. And that if you can get those good 30, 40-year-old players from that type, type of play to play the new game, they'll be even better. And it's just trying to get them out of the, stuck out of their ways to play the new way. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it is. It is. It, there's sometimes there's a lot of players who have played it for a lot, a lot of years, and you could have as many years experience as you want under your belt, and they will still look at you and kind of go, "Mate, I've got ten years on you. What, what, what are you telling me that for? I know what exactly. I'm doing." Yeah. And you're going, "Mate, do you know what I mean I've coached the levels you've dreamt of? Trust me." And they're going, "Nah." So I get, yeah. I get what you mean, mate. It, it is hard. It's not easy. Um, you've just got to believe in the process and, and kind of keep I, preaching, as it were. Yeah. I honestly reckon in the next 10 years, an international team is going to turn up and almost five out of the eight, apart from the front row, are going to be out and out back rowers, or number sixes and number sevens. And they're just going to win every breakdown because they're going to be 20% fitter than the big fat lumber in locks, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And I do think it's almost... Like, there's a player, maybe, do you remember Serge Batson? Yeah, yeah, of course. He went to the gym twice a week. Probably one of the best back row players France has ever had. 
was in the gym monkey. He went twice a week, played everywhere in the back row. Now, if you had five of him on the pitch, how would the game go? You might not lose every, you don't might win every scrum, but you'll be winning every breakdown. Cool. That's, that's how I see rugby going. Yeah, player like Serge, yeah, cool. Yeah, excellent player. What a player. Um, Will, that, that's us this week, mate. Um, Thanks very much for having me. I, I fully appreciate you like... Really appreciate you coming on. Um, a bit, and... bit of a downer, that one, but I think... <laughs> yeah, bloody Debbie Downer. Not like that anymore. I, I feel like I've come out of the, the end of the tunnel, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't worry, don't worry. We, we, we won't hold it against you, you know. We're not, we're not going to be saying going, oh, we're not having him again. Cool. <laughs> Thank <laughs> no, you very much. Fully appreciate it. Uh, look forward to seeing you soon and we hope to get you on another one. Thank you sure. very much. I'm always available, unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, mate. Have Take a good care, day. Mate. Cheers.